Welcome back to Fish Fridays. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. This is a special bonus series brought to you by My Seminary Life, where we're walking through the season of Lent, talking about the history, the practices, the observances behind this season on the church calendar as we prepare for Good Friday and ultimately Easter. And for today's episode, obviously when you're in this uh, when you're in this high liturgical church environment, there are sermons related to this season. You know, you have specific what? topics. It's a sermon series, basically, for those of us in the low liturgical context. And so today we're going to do something that I at least have never done on the show. I've done plenty of times on my way home from church. We're going to talk about a sermon and review it and hopefully not rip it apart because I at least enjoyed the reading <laughs> of it. And to do this, I have invited our good friend Joshua Knoll back on the show. Josh, welcome back. I've lost track how many times you've been here. That's my goal. <laughs> I, I hope to guess so often that when I'm in seminary, people are like, is this like his seminary life? That's that's the goal. I want them this to is- question. <laughs> That's Josh's show, right? And by <laughs> extension, that's TJ's show, right? Yes. Has TJ ever been on? T- uh, he did the one where you, me, oh, and him, okay. we talked about the uh, oh, yeah. convention you went yeah. to back in the fall. I was about to say, how fun would it be if people thought TJ was attached and he's never been on? <laughs> right. Oh, that would be very Gold. impressive. <laughs> Gold right there. Because TJ just goes along. It's just an assumption. TJ yeah. is a part of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So in today's episode, like I said, we're going to talk about a sermon, but we're not going to talk about any of mine. We're going to we're going to indulge the cliche today, because as we've been talking each week here on Fish Fridays, uh, Lent is not just that Catholic church thing. It is a Uh liturgical church thing. Many different even Protestant denominations, the Eastern Orthodox Church, a lot of us observe Lent. But today we're going to be a little bit more stereotypical as we look at Pope Francis's message for Lent this year. He always gives one big address at least each Lent season to kick things off. I believe it was on Ash Wednesday is when this message came out. I will post a link to this both in the description of this episode and also just on social media for people who want to read it for themselves. Uh, Josh, you have read it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, actually okay. my second favorite church leader named Francis. So, Oh, yes. Yeah, he's going to be on the th- season two of Whole Church. See, oh, Just, good. So the joke goes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big Francis. <laughs> the first Francis is a big Francis, but that's a very big Francis to have Pope Francis. <laughs> I feel like he eats pretty healthily, though, so he'll be fine. He will be fine. He'll fit onto the <laughs> He will be fine. Um. So I wanted to have you on this episode, particularly because I do not have in my life any devout Catholic people. I I don't know how I've managed to pull that off. I have family members who huh. are more of the Christmas and Easter Catholic people, but I don't know any like Catholic ministers. So it made sense to me to ask the whole church guy hmm. to come talk about some a Catholic homily. So we got a Pentecostal Lutheran, a reformed <laughs> existentialist together to talk about a Catholic guy. So this should be, this should great. be an episode of whole church. <laughs> this should be an episode of whole church. Oh man. 
Yes. I like that I'm your backup Catholic. Like, I don't have a Catholic, so here's the back, like, the second <laughs> here's, string. <laughs> here's my backup option. You know, if you can't have Brett Favre, you can have Aaron Rodgers. Like, whatever. I guess it works. Yeah. I mean, I'll take second string. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So let's start this. Let's start off by doing something that is very distasteful that people should not normally do when they talk about sermons. I did not watch this. I only read it. Did you? You just read oh, no, it. No, I right? only read it. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. So let's just start very mundane. On a scale of. Mm, yes. On a scale Sorry. of mm, one to five. We'll go one to five. Based off of the content of this message, what do you think? <laughs> I've always wanted to rate a sermon, and it's just so funny that we're starting. The first sermon that I get to rate on air is like the Catholic sermon. The um, Catholic sermon. Honestly, man, like a two and a half. Like, okay. I feel like the average sermon I hear is pretty similar. Like, it's not, it didn't stand out to me. I liked everything okay. he said. I'm not sure I'll remember it, honestly. I liked okay. everything you said, though. So just kind of like, yeah, it was average. So good, but nothing yeah. noteworthy, particularly. Yeah, not something that I'm going to like be calling somebody up later. Like, man, you're not going to believe what he said. Completely eye open. I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like most Christians should know this, which it's good to do stuff to talk about stuff people already know. Sure. Which makes rating sermons hard, right? Because sometimes you just need the average here is what Lent is, or here is the gospel mm-hmm. kind of thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to stand out every time, but yeah, maybe for, <laughs> right. Maybe for a very um, timely reference. I know there's been a lot mm. of buzz about that uh, Asbury University. I don't know if you've heard about that. Oh Yeah, we're going to be talking I, about that on Whole Church News, which is a patron segment for us. So ooh, look at that. I can't give away too much. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I I know there's been a lot of obviously there's a lot of opinions about what's going on what has been going on over there what 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 took place. I went back and I listened to the actual message that started it all that kicked this all off, and uh, I definitely share your sentiment about what you think about this Pope Francis message of yeah that wasn't anything special, but sometimes yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be special for a revival slash awakening. I'll let you guys, I'll let you, I'll let you and TJ decide which it was. I'm sure that has to be part of the conversation, but you're right. There is times where it can be a fine message, but we're just covering the basics. Yeah. I, um, yeah, <laughs> my, my dad wants, sorry, I'm, I try not to do too many stories, but I, I feel like sure. this is helpful. My dad's a part-time evangelist. So sometimes he'll go and he'll do these uh, little revivals at different churches and stuff. Sure. Um, I say little because we're Pentecostal. Most of our churches are little. Not that I'm like, oh, what a cute little revival. You know what I mean? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to, to downplay it. It was a really cool revival, but he had a whole sermon written out once. And usually, mm-hmm. you know, not just because he's my dad. I, th- I usually think that his sermons are pretty good, mm-hmm. but he... They played the song, um, These Are the Days of Elijah. These are the days Ooh, of classic. Moses and all yeah. this. Yeah. And my dad just goes up there and explains what Jubilee was in the Bible, not part of his mm-hmm. sermon at all, and said, that's it. Come pray. And it was one oh. of the most powerful church services I've been to. That's cool. And all they did was, hey, they said this word Jubilee. I'm going to tell you what that word is again. And then listen to the song a little bit closer. And that was the message that was needed. That message, you know, if you're just reading that message, if you just read it, 
be like, what the heck? This is like a paragraph long, uh, one out of five, you know, like, right, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is garbage. But that's what the church <laughs> needed at that point. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So this is kind of on a sliding scale. Yeah. Which is why you should not rate sermons on a scale of one to five. <laughs> uh, what, we are you also we saying do. two and a half then? <laughs> no, I, I, I actually, I, so I've never really, this sounds very Protestant <laughs> of me. I've never really paid attention before when the, to like, I've yeah. never been to, I think I was a little kid. The only time I've ever been to a Catholic church wedding. And mm-hmm. that's like the only time I've ever really been exposed to like Catholic teaching. This is an area of my life. I'm trying to expo- expose more of to myself because yeah. I'll save some of those comments for a second when I give my number review, but there's a reason why many reasons why part of it is just church history, you know? We were all Catholic at one point. <laughs> That's how yeah. this worked. Um, so having never really listened, never really paid attention before reading it, I was like, oh, this is this is really good. I agree. It's very simple. And yeah. we'll get into more of the nuance of what's going on here in a second. But I was like, this is like a four for me. And I think it's because one thing I have enjoyed as I've started getting more I've started listening more to homilies and Mm -hmm. liturgical preaching is maybe it's just because I grew up with the three point Baptist sermon and now the non-denominational super expository preaching. Like today, my pastor preached on one verse for 40 minutes. Like, yeah, Um, (laughs) it was there is time for that. There's time for when (laughs) that can be helpful. Like just. Yeah. Anyway, so having been exposed to that for the majority of my life, now that I've been like, I've been watching Pastor Will and his church and listening Mm -hmm. to their sermons, reading this, there's something refreshing about it's almost more lectury. It's not really like a sermon as you and I would think of it. It's more like here are some thoughts, some of it is surface level. There is some deep depth to this, though. And okay, 15 minutes, we're done. See you later. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, I would say it's because the church services for a lot of your more high liturgical churches is more about the sacraments. It's more about Mm -hmm. what you're doing as opposed to what information you intake, which I think has better longevity to it. Yes, there's always times Mm -hmm. to learn deeper stuff about the Bible, but Mm -hmm. after so many years going to the same kind of church, and they're saying stuff that some people are like, oh, man, that blew my mind. And you're thinking, man, I heard that 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, like eventually <laughs> it's kind of like the information, even if you go deep, does get repetitive. But that's sort of the point in these settings, which makes it a little bit, I don't know, easier to come back to, I guess. Okay. When it's They're not trying to be like, oh, you probably don't know this. Here's some new information. That's not the point. So mm. it makes it a little bit more digestible, I think. I like that more digestible. There's in this message actually, Pope Francis does talk about tradition and the benefits of tradition, which we'll probably touch on that here in a second. I I have no actual reason to believe this, but I'm just asking for your opinion. Do you think he writes his own messages? Do like big church leaders actually write their own messages, or is it like you know the person who writes the president's sermon or? sermons the president's speeches 
I think for the Catholic Church, it probably actually is the Pope. Mm-hmm. Just because of like how their hierarchy works. Like I don't imagine it being seen as okay for somebody else like to a, write it if that a makes cardinal sense. Cardinal is handing up a message, you know, think yeah. that would happen. Okay. Yeah. But I definitely I, think some of these mega churches and stuff, I I I don't just think I know that it happens. I've okay. helped somebody write a message for somebody else before. So I've been a part of that technically. Oh, okay. So you know that. Ooh, insider info. <laughs> I know that like some churches have more of like a think tank when they write their sermons, which that I'm okay with. But like someone ghostwriting someone else's sermon, I don't know about that. But if anybody wants to hire a ghostwriter for their sermons, um, I'm down. <laughs> actually, Josh and I both could probably do that. Man, that sounds fun, actually. <laughs> Yeah, but man, that could that could be prob that there's a lot of problems that could happen. <laughs> I do agree with you though, the more I think about it, um, when it comes to the Catholic Church specifically, it would make more sense because of how they view the Pope and what he says, that mm-hmm. he probably does write his own messages. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he took a lot from other popes and stuff. Kind of messed it, it like together. A, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, that, that's part of the point is that you're remembering something. It's not mm-hmm. let me teach you what Lent is. It is let mm-hmm. me remind you what Lent is, which Lent itself is really a refocus or a reminder of why we do what we do or who we are as Christians, that kind of stuff. So a reminder that we need to be reminded, I guess. I don't know. I was a reminder like, yeah, to be reminded. Sense. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we get into more of the nuance of this message, let me ask you, uh, what is your experience with Lent? Is this a, a new concept for you? This series has been a little bit of a introduction to the topic. It has been a little bit more teaching. So I'm curious, where are you at on all of this? Uh, just Lent or fasting in general? Uh, I have lots okay. of thoughts. <laughs> lots of thoughts. Okay, well, let's let's do... Let's do both, because obviously fasting is the biggest thing that is associated with Lent, although there are four main virtues, but fasting is the one that people People usually associate. So yeah, so yeah, let's do both. (laughs) I So fasting, I actually fasted a lot back in high school, and it was sort of a, if I give up food enough, and a a lot of times it's brought to that, that, um, where Jesus talks about the king and if the person bugged the king enough, the king eventually just kind of gave in. Oh, sure. That's sort of how I was taught fasting of like, if you starve yourself enough, it's like a temper tantrum and God will have to pay attention to you. Wow. That's <laughs> and, terrible on multiple <laughs> levels. <laughs> that's sort of how I was taught it though. That's, that's what I believed it was. So in high school, I'm like, Yeesh. I was really distraught. and wanted God's direction because I just didn't know what I was doing with my life at all. And I was like, if I starve myself enough, he'll tell me exactly what I need to do. <laughs> Okay. So I fasted a lot then (laughs) and not trying to make fun of that because that is what I knew at the time. And I was trying to be in relationship with God the way that I knew how to be. So it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's terrible. But also, Hey, if you did that, that's not a bad thing. It's just, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. I don't know. Confusing, but you got to walk out your relationship with God the best that you can with what you know. That's what I was Mm -hmm. doing at that time. So I don't look bad negatively at that. Okay. Um, Weirdly enough, I got really into nutrition during high school for a while and like kind of the embodiment of the soul. And I learned a lot about Mm. intermittent fasting and all the health benefits and what it does to your mind. And I'm like, oh, so this is what fasting is. God is actually 
helping you focus by that's what fasting does to the body physically anyway. Like it actually mm-hmm. just translates biologically. And I was like, okay, so that makes a lot of sense. That's how that would work. And as I've gotten less healthy, it's become more difficult to fast. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I, I have had a few years ago, I practiced Yom Kippur for uh, oh, that okay. the Jewish holiday. Mm-hmm. And part of that includes a fast. And okay. this is where I learned about the Isaiah fast, because you don't just fast. You're also supposed to give a meal to somebody or give something away. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to read part of this <laughs> verse in Isaiah. Okay, go ahead. I, um, I just like it if I can find it. Sure. I thought that if I stalled long enough, I would find it by the end of this. Well, while you look, I will mention... <laughs> Because Thanks. now you've brought up two two different uh, holidays in the Jewish calendar with Yom Kippur and also Jubilee, the year of Jubilee. You talked a little bit about that earlier. There is a, a plan for when we do hit that seventh year of my seminary life mm. to do a series where we focus on the different holidays and also to take intermittent celebrations and rests throughout that. So. Stick around. if the show is around for what is this end of year two five more years we'll we'll get to that but did you find your verse yes all right well let's hear that isaiah <laughs> okay. verse so it's 58 starting in verse three and either through seven or eight haven't decided yet we'll see as i okay. read okay why have we fasted and you do not see so this is the israel people talking to god why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice behold mm-hmm. on the day of your fast you find your desire and drive hard all your workers Behold, you fast for connection and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Mm. So basically God's saying you're fasting for your own needs. Mm -hmm. Is it a fast like this that I desire? So this is God speaking. A day for man to humble himself. Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast? even an acceptable day to the Lord. Kind of implying no. Then Mm -hmm. he says, is this not the fast that I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and to bring homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Basically, fasting isn't about humbling yourself even or your desires or if I bring myself low enough, God will bring me up. It is Mm -hmm. how can I help those who are already low doing Mm. God's will? And as you do God's will, God will then protect you. But it's about finding God's will, and that is in helping the needy. Hmm. So that's one thing that I find often missing in Christian fasts that I learned from Yom Kippur was mm. that when in my church growing up, we didn't do lit, but we fasted the, like we did a certain fast in January every year or something like that. Right. Okay. Um, well, the liturgical church I'm in now, you know, you do lint. I feel like it's very rarely mentioned this verse where God says, Hey, when you fast, what I want you to do is then give your food to the needy, not to just, humble yourself like that's that's it doesn't end there that's like Mm -hmm. step one (laughs) step two is then give that away to somebody yeah and it's sad because 
actually within Lent, that is one of the main virtues is almsgiving. Usually yeah. what is talked about is the fasting and prayer element or the fasting and uh, repentance part mm-hmm. when it comes to particularly to uh, Ash Wednesday. But the the almsgiving, that has been the part that is often overlooked and is the part that mm-hmm. I have been trying to focus more on, even if it's just that very like simple intentional thought of how can I specifically love my son or love my wife today, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But yeah, I agree. Fasting is step one of what should be multiple steps in our rhythm of worship. Yeah. I like that rhythm of worship thing that you've been harping on. It's nice. Oh, thank Um, you. I don't know who I stole that from. That's not original, but so Um, I feel like then (laughs) what you're going to say when it comes to Lent is you don't fast. So I had, this is the first time I've been at a liturgical church during the season of Lent. So this okay. has been a, this has been fun for me to follow Fish Fridays while I'm doing this too. Oh, cool. So I um I went Ash Wednesday, and my driving facts in a while. It's been difficult with some of my health stuff, but I was mm. thinking through, and I was like, I was even like on Google, like looking up things that people give up for Lent, and like in mm. my mind, I was like, this is my first Lent. I want to make it something that's like challenging but still doable for me. Like I don't want to set sure. it to where like I absolutely am not going to just not eat for forty days. I I know myself better than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'm like, one was like giving up hot water. I'm like, I feel like I'm not really challenging myself. I'm just doing it to say I did it, you know, and I was really <laughs> I spent all day Ash Wednesday struggling with this, knowing that I was going to Ash mm-hmm. Wednesday service at like 6 p.m. or whatever. And it's one of those which is funny. This goes back to our repetitive messages that don't really necessarily have to stand out or anything. Mm-hmm. The the homily that was given from our minister was really basic and he just kind of was going back to Lent isn't this like not a verbatim quote, but he said like Lent isn't about giving anything up. It's not about adding something extra to do. It's refocusing Mm -hmm. yourself on God. And these are helpful steps to do that sometimes, but not all the time. Hmm. So he said, our main goal is that you figure out what it is that helps you refocus and then, I, I don't know, I was really challenged because I spent all day trying to figure out how I could do the checkbox part of this, you know? Sure, sure. And I know in my head, like, intellectually, I know that that's not what Lent's about and Lent's about refocus. Like, I already knew this thing that he said, but mm-hmm. somehow the way he said it, and then in that moment with some ash on my forehead, I've never done that before. That was interesting. Nice. I, <laughs> I'm hearing him say it, and I'm going, oh, yeah. And then it just kind of clicked to me where I most refocus and reconnect is when I'm on a hike or when I'm in wilderness. So instead of mm. giving something else up, I'm, you know, checking the box off or doing something new that I haven't done before, which is a good thing to do. Just, mm-hmm. it is good to practice other practices. I said, what if I just took this season and did what I know helps me refocus on God. So I've, uh, every weekend okay. been going on a hike and just Very good. reconnecting to God that way. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, this is a very intentional time of refocusing for sure. Fasting, prayer, almsgiving, repentance, like this is hiking, hiking, like all of these practices (laughs) are refocusing. And maybe that also goes back to the simplicity of the sermons Yeah, of, you know, doesn't have to be, you're not reinventing the wheel. 
You're not trying to do anything special here. You're here to simply remind people, this is what we're here to do. We're just here to refocus, remind you that you are dust and that to dust you shall return Mm -hmm. and that you need to repent and refocus on God. One of the favorite sermon series that I've read, I'd probably give it a four and a half out of five since we're rating sermons now. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones did a series of the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason I liked it so much is that he kept doing, you know, the forest and the trees kind of analogy of like, you don't want to miss the forest for the trees and you don't want to miss the trees for the forest. So he would do Hmm. this kind of like overarching, what is this thing about? Uh, Then he'd go into some details and then he'd do another sermon of overarching. What is this thing about? What is these individual things we learned say about the overall point? And Hmm. I'm going to get back to, because we're comparing homily from two Protestants. Right. I grew up, you know, a lot of those three-point sermons are to get you to an emotional high or some kind of action the church wants you to do. Mm. Or honestly, a lot of times it's to make a political point more recently. Mm, A lot of it ends up being that. And I think that's what's so refreshing is the homily, which not to say you don't want to not focus on the trees, just like the Martin Lloyd joint things, you want to mm. look at the forest and the trees, right? And see how those details uplift the overall story. The homily, what I've liked is that it's kind of let me focus on the overarching thing again. You know, I don't go to mm. church ex- hearing anything about Republicans or Democrats. Instead, I hear, here's the story of transfiguration and what it means. And I'm like, mm. yeah, sometimes that's, that's all I need. <laughs> is just the message. Yeah. So on that note, Let's get back into uh, Pope Francis's message because you even yeah. referenced the the text. We're on the we're we're talking about the Transfiguration, which I thought was I I, I I did not know that this is a normal thing that people talk about during Lent. I usually hear Jesus in the wilderness messages, you know, not yeah uh, the Transfiguration. But uh, let's start with the question that has started every Bible study um, since the dawn of the Bible study. What stood <laughs> out to you from this message? I, man, I highlighted something at one point. Let's see. There was, there was a lot. What stood out to me is how he was going back to the thing that you hear a lot in Baptist churches and all that and Pentecostal churches of see, this represents the law and this represents the prophet. And I was like, okay, so he's going there, but then he didn't like fully dive in and said he took another step back to look at the overarching mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Um, let's see. Where is this? Okay. So he says, do not take refuge in religiosity made up of extraordinary events and dramatic experiences mm. out of fear of facing reality and its daily struggles. It's hardships and contradictions. I, w- I, I liked that. It's like, hey, let's not uh, let's not fall into this trap of being overly religious, which is funny mm-hmm. coming from, you know, most of us, that's just how we label the Catholic Church. Of, oh, yeah, they're the like religious part. And we're the real Christians because Christianity is a relationship, not a religion, which dumb, but I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that. He was like, hey, let's not fall into the trap of just letting this be a religion. Also, on the note of they're Catholic. But like you just said, um, he <laughs> I was uh, surprised how many times we were reminded that it's grace that saves us, grace that sustains us, grace that moves us along. You know, they're Catholic. Yeah. They're not supposed to they don't believe in grace. You have to work for everything, <laughs> supposedly. So that, that definitely stood out to me of like 
hey, look at all the times. Just not even going to make a mention of it. Look at all the times that grace has come up. I'm also, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe you can relate to this because you also love the Lord of the Rings. Just the <laughs> language of the journey really stood out to me that this, that Lent is a journey. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think we definitely see that whether it's the wilderness, Jesus in the wilderness passage, or here with all the metaphors of going up the mountain. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. for the Mount of Transfiguration. But the journey, we're on a journey during this time of Lent. That really stood out to me as well. Yeah, not just Lent. Again, you know, my first year attending a Lutheran church, so a lot of things are new to me. The amount of times that like they're just focused on the life of Jesus is so mm-hmm. weird to me. Because like usually you might get a sermon series on one of the Gospels a year, maybe. Maybe. You'll hear about the birth of Jesus around Christmas. And then we'll have like a whole Easter series of four weeks talking about the death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of like, I didn't get a lot growing up in the Pentecostal Baptist church, just about Jesus's life. And I find it mm. interesting that like so much of their year just revolves around the life cycle of Jesus. Right. Like basically that's what it is. That's what the church calendar is, is yeah. birth of Jesus, epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, Christ is King, rinse wash repeat like <laughs> yeah it, it's weird to me that it seems a lot more christ-centered like <laughs> right I feel like, like I'm, I'm on dangerous waters saying that but it's like you know it, it kind of feels that way like i don't hear anything about politics i don't hear anything about you know this old testament passage and how we could still make it relevant it's just kind of we're talking about jesus i want to read that uh he talks about tradition a lot Mm. in this sermon as well. There's uh, like a specific paragraph here. This is not a long read, folks, if you want to go read this for yourself. Yeah. I just wanted to read this quote. Tradition is a source of inspiration for seeking new paths and for avoiding the opposed temptation of immobility and improvised experimentation. And I thought that was really cool because normally when we think about tradition, it's like, well, that's just the thing you do, right? That's like your whole... Mm-hmm. That's part of what you've been learning all these years over on whole church is like sometimes, <laughs> you know, we have these traditions because, but from <laughs> the Pope's position, tradition is actually like the source of both the check and balance of giving you inspiration for new paths to take. Like you're going to go for a hike every weekend during Lent to refocus mm-hmm. on God, but also to like, safeguard you against wackiness against misinformed theology whatever you want misinformed practices however you want to put that yeah i like that it wasn't like the point and i feel like you made it pretty clear the point is not the tradition the point is not the practice the point is focusing on jesus and all of these other things are just a vehicle like it seems like he just sees that as a way to focus on Jesus to get us to that mm-hmm. other point of, and also he, he mentions penance a lot. Sorry. No, he does. He does mention penance a lot. What do you think? We're two Protestants. So what do you mm-hmm. think about penance? Uh, man, I love the overall story arc was great. Um, even though I liked speedball, I liked when he got a little bit edgier. Oh kind of see some of the like darker tones and like his speedball. power really evolved. It was great. <laughs> That was like a deep cut Marvel that reference. Is a, that is a deep cut. 
It's just um, it just so happens my brother <laughs> likes weird Marvel characters that I even knew who Speedball was. Speedball and Penance, like Robbie Baldwin is just one of my favorite Marvel <laughs> characters that no one knows who he is, but technically exists in the MCU. Oh, really? Really? Because when the S.H.I.E.L.D. show was still a part of the MCU for season one, they have a plaque with a bunch of people's names on it. And Robbie Baldwin is on the plaque. If you oh. pause it and read all 60 names because you're a crazy person, I don't know why you would do that, but right. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> cool. That's kind of like when Jim yeah. Hammond, the human torch shows up in the first Captain America movie. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, on, penance. on a more serious note <laughs> on, on the, on the Catholic version of penance, I, I don't believe, and this is the more Lutheran I become, the more I lean into like, Everything Jesus does. We don't really have anything that we do, but I okay. do think there is a part of working out your salvation. It gets very wibbly wobbly kind of mystery of the faith kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so I, I don't agree that we have to pay penance or anything like that for salvation. But I did think what was interesting when we talked to a Catholic nun on whole church once um, who I've known for a long time, really cool person. She likes nice. to body surf. It's weird. Um, Interesting. <laughs> it's just a fun thing. Like I know a body surfing nun who's also uh, albino and blind. <laughs> cool. She's one of the coolest <laughs> people I know. Yeah. <laughs> but she um, she pointed out like really the difference is Catholics still believe you're saved only by faith through grace mm -hmm. and that you have to do the act while God is saving you. Like that's part of the salvation is you're working it out by doing penance and then at that moment, God is showing grace and that is how you're saved. Not because of your act, but because of God's. Whereas mm -hmm. Protestants will say you're saved by grace first, and then you should act like it and do these things. So she's like, really, we're just saying that the actions happen at different points. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, True. now that I think about it, that is a silly thing to be this up in arms about. <laughs> how dare you say we do it while we're saved? We do it after we're saved. Are you still going to do it? Cool. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. And I also I think this contributes to I talked about this on uh, last week's Fish Friday on or a couple weeks ago at the when this episode comes out on a biblical view of fasting, talking about how there are just some spiritual disciplines that we don't like doing because mm -hmm. it actually requires self-denial. Oh, that and was a good episode. I, I think self-denial and I talked about it in that episode. I think we have this um, this perverse idea of self-denial because we have a twisted view of what freedom is from our American culture, speaking specifically of American uh -huh. Christians. There are a few international listeners, so I am not trying to like isolate you, even though that's what we love to do as Americans is pretend <laughs> like no one else exists. Um we have this we have a particular view of what um, freedom is supposed to look like and therefore to take on disciplines like fasting, like Sabbath rest, where we are saying no. Well, why would we say no? That's not freedom. Like freedom is we have this idea that like freedom is accepting, whereas denial can also be a form of freedom as well. And I think. I, again, I'm with you. I don't necessarily think that penance is like something we do to be saved in that understanding of penance, but the intentional self-denial aspect of the Christian faith is really something 
Protestants and evangelicals might really want to start looking into more. Yes. I one of the things that I like some things by John Piper, a lot of things by John Piper really irritate me. <laughs> Mind you, I'm the church unity guy. I'd have unity with him. I'd call him a Christian brother and all that. But I think one thing that he teaches and I have more a problem with the term itself than the actual teaching, but he okay. teaches this thing called Christian hedonism. And I think that's been a huge problem. <laughs> Because yeah, it really misleads people to thinking that, no, what God wants is your happiness. So God cares about you finding your happiness. And it's like, no, actually, like, yes, God wants people to be happy. But the way you're teaching that is kind of like, I don't know, it, it gives license for a lot of terrible attitudes, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, and kind of makes it feel like what you're saying is the whole Bible and all these things are really just for me. And I can live for myself, but in a Christian way. And it's like, that's not, no, the Christian way is to give up of yourself for everybody else. And yes, God wants everyone to, you know, have joy, love, all those things. Mm -hmm. But he wants you to have that in finding that you give up of yourself, not that you're indulging yourself. And I feel like a lot of his teaching borderline okays that. And that's what I think is really dangerous. And the term itself is kind of dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We don't have time to unpack all of the John Piper Christian hedonism thing. I will just share a brief story of, man, I can remember guys in college, like just being so, oh, I'm a Christian hedonist. Like that was, that was their, you know, like earlier we did the Lutheran Pentecostal reformed existentialist. Yeah. Like that was their thing. I'm a Christian hedonist. And even then I didn't really know much and it kind of sounded interesting but it just never really clicked with me. The it's book is good. Very I like Desiring God, but yeah. the book. Yeah, me too. It's very much clickbait, right? Christian hedonism. Oh, what's that? That doesn't make sense. Click it. And he tries to like explain it away. That's like whatever. And I, I share part of the concern that Christians don't seem happy enough. We're too stoic. And I think that mm. we do need to be reminded that joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. Like it's actually okay not to be stressed out all the time or True. sad about everything. Yeah. But, or, you know, Christians that are just constantly road rage while they drive, I have a problem with like, I'm like, no, Christ does or, desire joy. Or my favorite Christian content creators who are constantly just looking for the next thing to get mad about because that's what gets clicks and downloads. I can't wait for that next revival. I already have an angry speech typed out. <laughs> I don't care who it's from. <laughs> Josh, this is your church. I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in short, uh, any form of hedonism is not Christian. Okay. Yeah. I Sorry, John Piper. But Sorry, Johnny P. <laughs> But well, and, it, and, it, and it goes back to this message, right, that we are doing these traditions of practices of humbling ourselves. We're refocusing on what is rather than the old law, what is Christ law for us? Right. And that's kind of mm -hmm. what some of the penance is about. And, you know, we're talking about the prophecy. What does it mean to avoid religiosity? All these other kind of things. And, yeah, that's the opposite of hedonism. You know, if I had to pick John sure. Piper as the Baptist Pope or this Pope, well, <laughs> this is at least what Jesus taught. <laughs> 
Is it Piper or MacArthur? Who would be um, the Baptist Pope? Uh, we'll put a poll up on a Facebook group. Um, <laughs> I yeah, like I'm back to pretending like this is my show. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will pull, put that poll up. <laughs> we both will. You'll have more answers, but we'll combine them. So Gosh, earlier you funny. mentioned earlier you mentioned uh, one of two Pope Francis's um, application points to use the lingo that we're more familiar with uh, from mm-hmm. this passage on the uh, Transfiguration. He says that there are two paths that we can take, and one of them is that path of not getting so caught up in rid- relig- religiosity. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I had a shamrock shake before coming on air. Not a good choice. I mean, it was tasty, but not good for audio. Um, the other one was the one that stood out to me is uh, the first proposal then is very clear. We need to listen to Jesus. And he has this whole explanation about the value, the importance, not just value, but the importance of listening to Jesus's voice, to the voice of God, particularly in this season, as we keep coming back to, being refocused, but also even he says here, let me pull that back up. He talks about uh, listening to the voices of our brothers and sisters in church and hearing their stories. And also just like this um, community, this community teaching discipleship type of idea. Let me see if I could pull a good quote from this. Such mutual listening in some phases is the primary goal, but it remains always indispensable in the method and style of the synodal church. So he's basically saying like this is this there's a season where this can be even more important, but this is always good. This is always good to be listening to one another and to growing from what each other has to say. Yes. I it had very much church unity vibes to me. <laughs> you it know, did. like it, did. it was very much like is he trying to go ahead and get that invite or <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean I, I was listening I'm like yeah, like it we have different stories, we have different paths, you know, he's talking about tradition being a path and there are different ways of how we focus on this. I really wanted to, you know, be a good Lutheran and, you know, find out what I'm going to give up for fasting and all the other checkbox for this. But instead, my path of refocusing ends up being hiking this year. Maybe mm-hmm. next year I'll do a real Lent. We'll see. But, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like, okay, so that's my path and I have a story to tell and somebody else gave up hot water, even though I thought that wasn't challenging enough. And maybe they have a cool story to tell that I could learn something from, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely getting like, deconstructionist vibes from that of like actually hearing people out and nuance and story type of importance a lot of story and journey metaphors yeah yeah the wheel's always turning um (laughs) (laughs) great minds think alike man there we go uh, (laughs) no i um so on systematic ecology the other podcast i help with is um we we just did an episode about uh one piece and cool. one of the big things is how stories and people's backgrounds really changes how you view characters, right? Um, sure. One character is like a pervert the whole show and you hate him. And then all of a sudden you see his background and it's like, okay, well, I still don't want you to be a pervert, but man, I'm cheering for this guy now. <laughs> you I know, it's that. like, oh man. Okay. Or like, you know, you see one of the, the biggest baddies out there and they stop 
to tell her story right before the end. And she's still going to lose because she's the bad guy. But it's like, oh, man, she was abandoned as a child. And all of these things happen that kind of is like, oh, no, it explains why she is this way. This sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I, I think I've had that experience before, too. You're watching a show and you just really don't like that character. And then you the episode happens or that beat in the movie happens. And you're like, I still don't like you, but man, I'm a little bit more sympathetic now, at least. Yeah. Makes it easier to love your enemies when you know what, why they are the way they are. Yeah. And I don't know. That's one where, Hey, maybe you, maybe you're listening to this for no particular reason. You're like, I despise the idea of Lent and penance and all of these tradition things. And you're like, ah, super Protestant. You're the world's most Protestant Protestant. But like hearing out some of the stories of how Lent's helping refocusing on Jesus, you know, maybe you don't have the three point sermon going through the trees, but people are looking at the bigger picture and hearing the life of Jesus. And you're able to say, no, that's still a good thing. Or vice versa, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, it is a good thing to get more into the weeds and details of the Bible, too. It's true. So summarize this homily for us. What what would you say is the big summary statement the big idea as we call it in the preaching circles hmm with tradition or whatever your path is prepare for easter okay i think that's i'm trying to like i feel like i was doing the like 10 seconds or less (laughs) Oh, the that, uh, Patreon, <laughs> yeah. Patreon thing you guys do on whole church. I feel like yeah. my brain went into that mode, but I think that technically checks all the boxes. How, how would you? How would so. you do it? I'm I'm trying to think. Ten seconds um, or less, Brandon. Ooh, ten seconds or less. No, thank you. Um, ten words or less, more like it. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Something along the. This is also hard because. You can't allow for dead air silence on podcasting. That was so more than like, 10 words. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, on the journey to Easter, we refocus on God in different ways. More than 10 words. Yeah. But something along those lines, I would say. Yeah. It's hard, too, because he gave two different things, right? He gave two applications. So it's kind of like... Mm-hmm. Yes, that. But also there is the the other <laughs> the yes. other quick description you could give is don't let traditions or um, overly focusing on religious practices be a trap for seeing the real meaning of Lent and Easter. Yeah, yeah, that's like, I, I can see both like there's like two different sermons in one here. Yeah. But it Man. doesn't feel clunky, you know? Yeah. You, we've so all maybe heard it's that two, term. two and a halves. Maybe he actually got a five. <laughs> maybe he did. We've all have heard that sermon, though, that's like, this is two different messages. I didn't really, and it's like, not good. I didn't really yeah. think that this was like two different messages. Boy, I can't keep up with this. It flowed still very naturally. Yeah, I feel like if that first one hit you, you could have missed the second one because you were still digesting what he was saying. Sure. Sure. Or if you were like, okay, I'm good there. That second one could have hit you. And it's like, man, it's, it's like, yeah, like a double hitter. <laughs> double hitter. Love it. Any final thoughts as we start to close out this episode? We should do more average sermons and homilies. We should do more average yeah. sermons and homilies. Okay. Stop 
reinventing or figuring out how can I reference the new Avengers movie in this or <laughs> how can whatever new, you know, like stop trying to make it relevant and just let, let Jesus be Jesus. Let's hear the words of Jesus. Okay. Like he says here. Right. And sure. And focus on his words and not try to put our spin or new take on it. Okay. I like that. Uh, I would also say I preached this in a sermon. Uh, I think it came out back in December here on the podcast feed. Um, I do find it interesting. And this gets there's there's safeguards here. This gets into a gray area. I do find it interesting all the times where the Bible talks about going up to meet God. Mm -hmm. This is another instance of we're going up a mountain specifically with the purpose of having an encounter with Jesus, seeing the glory of Jesus on display for Peter, John, and James, mm-hmm. which um, I'm not, I, I know, and this gets into part of the Asbury discussion as well. <laughs> I'm not one of those people who's like, Oh, you have to go. You have to go up a mountain. You have never truly experienced God until you go up a mountain or you have to go mm-hmm. to this place where there seems to be like, the movement of the Holy Spirit. Like, no, the Holy Spirit is with us at all times. We can always be in communication with God then. But Mm -hmm. there still seems to be this, like, there's coming back to the journey. There's a journey at times Mm -hmm. where it is good to go up to God. Much like in how we kneel in prayer. How that's like a form of symbolism of what we're trying to do, communication of humility as we come before God, there seems to be this idea, even in Christianity of, at least in practice of Mm -hmm. going up to meet God as a metaphor of drawing near to his glory. Yeah. It's um, something I've been focusing on a lot lately. It's just that whole Christ is in all things, working through all things, but also transcendent. So just seeing that he is both an imminent and a transcendent God. Okay. You know, especially, you know, doing these hikes beginning of March, I'm seeing all the new life grow and I'm like cool. connecting with nature in that way, realizing God is working through this and new life is emerging. And how cool is that? And then also taking mm-hmm. time to, it's almost like I'm talking to God about God, you know, <laughs> like, sure. like I look, okay. I don't know, this is probably weird, but I look up when I pray sometimes and I'm like, talking okay. to God, I'm like, this is actually super cool how you're doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> very nice, you know, like, God, you're awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. That's cool. All right, everybody. Well, let's go ahead and start wrapping this episode up. Uh, As always, if you are interested in hearing anything about the whole church or systematic ecology, you can go into the description to find links to that. You also can find, since Josh is here, I'll make sure to plug the Every Tribe Denomination and Tongue Convention I will post a link in the description for, I believe the tickets are available on Eventbrite, correct? Yes. That sounds right. (laughs) I I think when I went to look that up the other day, that's where the site took me. It was Eventbrite. So if you're in the Chapel Hill, North Carolina area, and you want to come hang out with me, Josh, TJ, and a whole bunch of other of your favorite Christian podcasters, we're going to be there doing the whole church stuff and talking about Tolkien and politics and the great pumpkin and a whole bunch of other things. Worshiping in like 10 different languages. It's going to be cool. Is that like a real number? I know there's like a bilingual thing, like a bilingual worship. It was 12 when it was in Charlotte and I'm reworking it now. So we'll say 10 ish. 10 ish. Okay, cool. (laughs) 
All right. So yeah, you can find links to all of that in the description, along with all the usual stuff, the My Seminary Life website, shop, and the GoFundMe if you want to help me get down to Chapel Hill. At the recording of this episode, we are just shy of 50%. So it's coming along. It's been a month. We're only at 50%. or We're already at the 50% mark. So that's pretty... I'm pretty impressed, at least. We'll see how it goes. Um, coming up tomorrow for all of you who are new around here and you're like what is this thing that goes on usually I talk about the stuff that I'm studying in grad school but I'm done so tomorrow (laughs) which is when the normal new episodes come out I will be um, it will be the two year anniversary special of the show where I will be talking about was seminary worth it was the past two years of my life a waste of time, or was it helpful? So we're gonna—I'm gonna talk about that tomorrow. But I have to wait longer than a day. I feel like this is unfair. That's true, because you know what else is happening is I'm going to announce what the summer series is going to be, and now I just tease that for you, and you have to wait Man. all the way until that episode comes out. This is what happens when you're like an avid listener, and then you guest on a show, and you're like, wait a minute. That's not fair. I have to wait longer. <laughs> I have to wait wa- longer now. Uh, next week on Fish Fridays, today we were very Catholic. Next week, we're going to be Lutheran, as Pastor Will joins the show to give us the Lutheran side of the Lent story, particularly that whole, you know, they're Lutherans. They're kind of the, the reason we had the Protestant Reformation. So why are <laughs> you doing this thing that is apparently Catholic? So... He's going to be here to explain all of that and more. We recorded that episode even further out, so he's been waiting a while for this one. I'm just so tired of waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Release all your episodes at once. Pull a Netflix. (laughs) Pull a Netflix. That's a different way to podcast. (laughs) Drop 30 episodes. Here for now, you could do it again. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you again, Josh, for being here. This is Brandon signing off, reminding you that theology is best served with a side of coleslaw. See you next time.